We're on. We're sorry. on. Sorry. Children are released. Well, uh, good morning. We are going to tackle three uh, gifts today. We're going to tackle the gift of discernment, gift of speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And this is a big, big message. We still got that same bass hum we had last week, but we'll do our best anyway. Before I jump into today's message, last Sunday was about the gift of prophecy. And really what it was, was an encouragement to go out and risk giving words to people out in the world and to one another, to grow in the gift, to experiment with it. And this week I got two... Um, Is this on? Let's do this. Uh, that sounds a little bit better. Okay, I got two testimonies that came in from that teaching, and people went out and tried it, and they're really good. So I wanted to share it with you. So here's the first one. It says, Dear Pastor Mark, thank you so much for your message yesterday on the gift of prophecy. That's interesting. Yesterday? So this came in on Monday. So she went out and tried this gift Sunday afternoon, I think. Anyway, she said, thank you for the gift of prophecy, the message yesterday. I was greatly encouraged by it. As you asked your congregation to pray for one another, I prayed for a friend who was I, who I was going to see later in the day. I knew she was discouraged, anxious, and overwhelmed recently, and I wanted to encourage her faith. I started praying for her. That's when God gave me a vision of a horse. I honestly never prayed this kind of prayer before, so I was too chicken to bring it up during our walk. Fear, right? We all have the fear of being wrong. So she's facing the same fears we all face. I felt ridiculous randomly bringing up horses to her, but the image was so strongly associated with her in my mind that I felt like I couldn't pass up this opportunity to possibly encourage her even though I was risking looking like a fool. So I texted her a few hours after our walk. I texted her the following. I've been thinking of and praying for you, and God keeps giving me a vision of a horse. Does that mean anything to you? Perhaps horseback riding for therapy? <laughs> I figured it didn't hurt to throw it out there. A few minutes later, here was her response. Thank you for praying for me. That's interesting about the horses. I've always loved horses, and to me they seem so free and wild. Maybe that's what God is trying to tell me, that he wants for me to be free and live the abundant life. I've been doing a Bible study on it. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for your message. I was able to step out in faith, and God was able to encourage my friends' faith and growth and grow my faith in the process. That's process for Americans. And I, this, I, I really was encouraged by this next statement. I attend another church, but I've watched the GPC sermons every week online since June. I'm so grateful for your church. Isn't that the coolest thing, you guys? That there's people out there watching our service and maybe they've never been here or only been here once, but they're getting something out of it. Okay, here's the second one that came. I've been going to Mark and Shell's Connect Group for years. The two biggest things I've learned are to, one, 
First, stop and listen to what daddy is telling me. Second, to step out and take a risk once I hear what I think he is telling me, what I think he is telling me. Guys, a lot of the times we're not sure, so risk is involved. Last Saturday, I was praying at the park with Ron and Keith and the boys, and I saw a lady walking her dog, and I felt our Holy Spirit telling me to leave the group and go ask her if she needed prayer for anything. Immediately, when I did this, I was rejected with a no, capital letters, and a weird look. I thought to myself, I'm not going to do this anymore. And God didn't tell me to do that. So I snuck back into the prayer group, hoping my brothers didn't see what I what happened because it was embarrassing. About an hour later, that wonderful lady caught my, my eye as I was getting prayed for by Keith. I stepped away to see what she wanted. She asked me to pray for her. She said, I'm a foster mother, and one of my kids is a runaway. Another one of my kids has a father who's relapsed into drugs, and my other child was sexually abused. Pray for me. I went back to my brothers, and we passionately prayed for her. <laughs> I will never doubt how much our Father wants to reach out through us to His children. It's worth every risk of rejection and even humiliation. I'm going to do it again and again and again and again. I'm not falling for the devil's lies or my self-doubt anymore. And the people said, Amen. No risk it, no biscuit. That's a famous Bible phrase from Bruce Arians, coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No risk it, no biscuit. Okay, today we're doing these three gifts, and um, I don't know how we're going to get through three gifts in one message, except quickly. The first one is the discerning of spirits, so let me define it. It is the supernatural ability from the Holy Spirit to judge whether the spirit operating in a given situation has a source that is human, demonic, or divine. It is a supernatural perception into the spirit realm for the purpose of determining the source of the spiritual activity. And that's a definition by John Wimber, who was very influential in my life on this whole subject of spiritual gifts. And it, the gift is like prophecy in that it's a knowing that is not humanly possible. It's got to come by revelation from the Holy Spirit. And here's a really good biblical example in the life of Paul. It's Acts 16, verses 16 to 18. And you probably all know this story, but it's worth revisiting. Once we're, And this is Luke, uh, the doctor, who's a mission partner of Paul's. And he's recording these events in the first person because he was there when it happened. That's pretty good, isn't it? You've got a, a doctor who's a critical thinker and very careful, and he's recording events that he personally saw. So we can take this one to the bank. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Not much has changed. In California, fortune-telling is a billion-dollar industry. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. Isn't this interesting? This is truth. This slave girl is prophesying something that is absolutely true to the people surrounding Paul and Luke. But 
She kept at this for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And that at that moment, the spirit left her. It's interesting that even though she was telling the truth in that statement, it was still coming from a source which was not God. It was not God's message in God's time. And it was not coming from the Spirit of God. So even though it was good advertising for Paul and good promotion, he's rejecting it because the source is false. It is not God. It was an evil spirit. Paul discerned the source of that message and he dealt with it as such. You know, a few years ago we had a couple in our church and they moved very strongly in this church. They moved very strongly in the healing gift. Really, really good healing gift. And his wife was super normal. There was nothing spooky or weird or kind of fake spirituality about her. She was just a regular, really well-adjusted person. She would see on people dark shapes and spirits clinging to their body in various places on their body. And, and this is not something she was excited about. In fact, I called her up about six months ago and said, I'd like to have you on our podcast. I'd like to interview you on this gift because you're highly credible in, in, in my eyes and I'd really like to have you come and be interviewed about this on the video podcast. And um, she said, no, it's not something I want to talk about. This was a conversation through her husband. She said she, she doesn't want to do it. It's not something she wants to talk about. And yet she sees dark shapes and things on people. And she would, numerous times, she said to her husband, see that person standing over there? There's something on his right shoulder. There's a big thing on his right shoulder. I see a spirit digging into his right shoulder. And then he would go over and say, excuse me, but are you having trouble with pain in your right shoulder? And the person would say, yes. And he'd say, well, then can we pray for you and command it to go? And they do so. She sees it leave, pain gone, problem solved. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that incredibly efficient? You know, so many of us could be praying and thinking, well, this is just a pain. This is just some old, you know, rotator cuff injury or something. We're treating it as merely a physical condition and we wonder why our prayers aren't getting answered. And someone comes along and says, well, I think it's a demon. I think it's an afflicting spirit on them. And then we treat it as such and it's gone. See, we, we don't have to just discern the condition. Sometimes we have to discern the cause of the condition so we can address it properly. There were times, one time I remember the end of worship, she came up and said, uh, and she's, she's really reluctant to do this. She wasn't a self-professed prophetic person. She came up and said, there's two angels standing in that corner, and there's two more at the back of the room standing in that corner. And she walked away because... She doesn't know, she doesn't know the application of what she's seeing. She just knows she's seeing something. And, and John and I spent some time thinking about it. And I said, okay, when we have a call for healing after, at the end of the service, we'll direct people to go up to that corner, that corner. Because if they're here, they're probably here for a reason. 
And that doesn't make our discernment right about that it's going to be a healing time, but we're going to do it to find out because why waste that kind of gift? See, there's always... <laughs> I, I'm getting off traffic topic here but when there's a prophetic gift there's three elements to the prophetic gift the first one is revelation what did you see what did you feel what did you hear the second is the interpretation what does it mean the third is the application what do we do with it and good prophecy isn't good prophecy until you have both the revelation the interpretation and the application and I think it's very humble very humble and very godly for the prophetic person to have the uh, humility to say, I got something, but I don't know what it means. I got something, but I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. Here it is. Now you guys are responsible for the interpretation and you guys are responsible for the application. Does that make sense? And that's what happened and that's how it works. Early in our church in Canada, it grew, it grew very, very rapidly. We doubled the first year. We doubled the second year. We went up a uh, 50% the, third, the fourth year grew to a large church very fast. We were riding the wave of a move of the Holy Spirit in our city. And it was quite an exciting adventure. And when you double and, and triple like that, your problem is always getting good workers, good Sunday school people, good connect group leaders. There's always an issue with how quickly can we get good people in and trained to take care of the growth that God's bringing to us. It's a good problem to have, but it's a legit problem. We had a, a young woman join our church. Uh, she immediately began working in the children's ministry. That's a sign of humility and godliness, by the way. Good sign of character. She started working right away with kids. She was cheerful. She was outgoing. She was helpful. All in all, she was a genuine addition to our church. After a few months, several women, about three women, came to me individually, not as a group, not having talked to one another. And they said that there's something off about this girl. And I, I honestly, I, I thought she was just charming and uh, just a great person. I had no discernment. But they said there's something off about her. And these weren't gossipy people. They, they weren't out to get somebody. These were godly women bringing this discernment. But there was no, there was no uh, explicit definite discernment. There's just there's something wrong with this person. There's something that's off with this person. What do you do with that? If you're the leader and, and you're responsible for the interpretation, application, something like this, but there's no specifics to the, to the problem, just there's something off with this person, what do you do? And I, and I thought about it a lot and I thought, you know, you can't discipline for some, some you can't discipline some someone for something you don't know anything about a perception a feeling that someone had that's not fair it's not just but i decided i'll just wait and see and watch i'll just pay attention i'll give it a little more attention i told the ladies it's it's unfair to judge her without clear evidence so we're going to wait and see if anything concrete comes to light in the meantime, now this is important, in the meantime we're going to extend nothing but love and acceptance to this girl. Well, a short time later, it came to light that she had a very unusual and ungodly approach to evangelism. She would sleep with guys and then tell them about Jesus.
Does anyone discern that that's not the way to do evangelism? That this maybe isn't the approach we want to take? And I talked to her about it, and she admitted it. And she couldn't see anything wrong with this. She absolutely thought this was a great way to bring people to the Lord. And then she left the church when she found out we were being judgmental. Folks, that's not Holy Spirit evangelism. That's something else. And I'm telling you this not just to illustrate the gift of discernment, but the way that it should be employed. Discernment should never, ever be used as a way to label people or bring judgment upon them. That's not the purpose of the gift. That's just gossip and slander. So when in doubt about a discernment, bring it to your leaders because they're responsible for the application of it and the interpretation of it. Okay. Do we get that out of the way? All right. Let's go on to tongues and the interpretation of tongues. There's a little bit of confusion about the gift of tongues because there's three different expressions of the gift of tongues found in the New Testament. They're not the same. So let's just look at them very quickly. From the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians, we see what results in three different descriptions or categories of the gift of tongues. The first occurs in the book of Acts uh, when we see the day of Pentecost. And that's the big one. I mean, that's as exciting as it gets. Tongues of fire appearing on people's heads. Everybody starts prophesying and speaking in, in foreign languages and uh, people are hearing their message in their own language, but somebody else is speaking in tongues. I mean, you're having, you're having a supernatural speaking and a supernatural hearing all at the same time. I think we've all, at one time or another, I know I have talked to Christians who have been in meetings when this happened. When someone got up and gave a, a message in tongues, I was thinking one time it was a meeting in which a tongue was given and it was in what sounded like an oriental language and it went on for a bit and nobody understood it. No interpretation was given and at the end of the meeting, a young woman from Korea got up and thanked everybody because that, that guy spoke perfect Korean and it was just what she needed to hear. And he had no clue that he was speaking Korean. It's just an amazing, absolutely amazing gift. It's rare, but it happens. The second we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 2, Paul tells us that speaking in tongues is speech to God, not men. Now, this is what we often refer to as our prayer language, where we are speaking to God, not for the purpose of edifying other people, but for the purpose of building up and edifying ourselves. This is an intimate language between your spirit and God's spirit. Why would you want that? Why would you want a language that you don't even understand when you're speaking it, but when you're speaking it, it's heart to heart, your heart to God's heart, your spirit to God's spirit. Why would you want that? Chris said more intimacy with God. <laughs> you know, little little prophetic thing in the worship, Josh. Josh, where are you? Little prophetic thing in the worship. 
you stood there just a few minutes ago and you said, sometimes there's things we want to say to God, but we don't have words for it. How can we have words for someone who's so wonderful? He's beyond our intellectual grasp. We have to relate to him emotionally because our emotions are so deeply touched by his goodness. And I don't have words for it. I wish I had words for it. I don't have words for it. The gift of tongues bubbles up inside of you and out of you comes a gush of emotional love and passion for God and worship for God that you can't put into words, but it doesn't matter because it's happening. It takes you deeper with him. There's a Bible verse in the Old Testament. I just love it. Deep cries out to deep. Deep cries out to deep. The depth in you, the deepest part of you, cries out to the deepest part of him. And there is a union and a joining in that, which words can never properly describe. And your heart is able to unburden itself of love and worship that you couldn't do any other way. And in that, you experience intimacy with him. You're drawing close to him. Guys, it's it's fantastic. It's the most powerful, edifying. You know, it's the only gift that's given just to you for you. Other than interpretation in a public meeting. It isn't given for any other reason but for you to build up and experience more of God for yourself. I'm running out of time. I'll tell you this story. This is where I really started learning to value the gift of tongues. This church, long time ago, had a guy in the church. He's going through a real rat, bad patch. His job was going poorly. As he wasn't getting along with his wife. He was really going downhill fast. And he decided to kill himself. He had a 38 took it out in the car, went out in the parking lot of his, of his apartment complex. He took a Mickey of uh, Southern Comfort, I think it was, and he started drinking to get to the place where he'd have enough courage to kill himself, just waiting to get to where he could work it up and kill himself. Well, a security guard, for some reason, was walking by in the parking lot, and he saw him sitting there for a long time, just this guy sitting in the car for a long time. He's drinking and drinking and drinking. The security guard went over to talk to him and he saw the gun in his lap. And he went and called the police and the police came and thank God they took him without him killing himself. They took him to the psych ward. He was in the psych ward for quite a while, a couple of weeks. While he was there, he started questioning his faith. He said, how do I know it's all true? There's all these intellectual arguments against Christianity. And there's all these intellectual arguments for Christianity. How do I know really that my faith is real? And he pondered it and pondered it and pondered it. And this is what happened. He remembered back to when he received the gift of tongues. And he remembered that's something. It was supernatural. It happened to me. I didn't make it up. It was real. <laughs> Guys, he came back to the Lord, straightened out, got the problems resolved. He said the reason his faith is real is his experience of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. 
tell you this many, many times. I've said this. If someone can talk you into being a Christian, someone else can talk you out of being a Christian. But when you had an experience of God, all the arguments in the world can't talk you out of a real experience that you had. And speaking in tongues is a drive-by experience of the supernatural nature of God. And once you have it, you have it forever. The only question is whether you're going to use it or not. How often do you want to do it? And how deep with God do you want to go? But that's what it's there for. The last one is a reference by Paul. He says, sometimes you're talking in an angelic language. It's a language of angels. I remember one time uh, I had, I was sick. I was sick in bed with something and the pain was really, really bad. It was like the flu or something. And, and I, I was speaking in tongues and I said, God, you know, you, you got to heal me. This, this is wrong. This, I, and this militant, this anger came up like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This isn't fair. And I started speaking in tongues and all of a sudden it shifted to a different language. It got real aggressive and real guttural. And it, it, it sounded to me almost like a Native American language. And it went on for about five or ten minutes. And when it finished, the pain was completely gone. And then I shifted back. And then it I shifted back to my regular prayer language. But for that period of intercession, that period of, of, of healing, of anger, and calling out for justice, like, this is wrong. Why am I putting up with this? For that period of time, something shifted. It, it was a different language, it was for a different purpose, and it had a different effect. Sometimes we speak in the tongues of healing angels. Now we're going to have an application time in a minute, do a couple of different things, but I want to say one more thing. And this is really important that you understand this. Do you remember, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, I taught a message and it was about the Holy Spirit in versus the Holy Spirit on. Do you remember that? And I said there's there's two different works of the Holy Spirit that are supernatural. The, the first is the inner one where you experience the love of God in an absolutely transformational way. Like, <laughs> I, I just got so loved by God I can't stand up. That's what happened to me. I couldn't get up off the floor. I was so overwhelmed with his love. It, I've never forgotten it. It changed me. Literally, it changed me overnight. It, never doubted his love ever since that experience. That was an inner working of the Holy Spirit. It's the Abba Father spirit of adoption. It's so, guys, you want it. Believe me, you want it. You want it more than anything. Fight for it. Ask for it. Go after it. There is no, no experience that touches that experience. That's the inner work. Then there's the outer work where the Spirit of God is moving through you for other people. Prophecy, healing, wisdom, words of knowledge, workings of miracles. And I remember I told you, I said, half the church wants the inner, but they reject the outer. 
Other half the church wants the outer and they've never experienced the inner. You could be moving in power in the outward gifts and never have had that love experience with God. It's possible. I did it for a long time. Came into the power of the Holy Spirit, prophesying, seeing, I'm serious, seeing blind people healed and miracles. And, and it's flowing. But the thing inside isn't. Or vice versa, you can have the thing inside, which is what happened to me, and then and then not have the power till several years. It, it was reversed for me. It was the inner experience first. I thought I'd arrived, but I didn't have the power. Then I found out about the power, started moving in the power. Then I had both. People were supposed to have both. We're supposed to have both the inner and the outer. Are you with me? But here's the problem, particularly with the gift of tongues. In the early days, in Azusa Street, when this thing started cooking, the Pentecostal revival, early 1900s, 1904 to 1909, (laughs) the experience of God came by the gift of tongues. They read the Acts passage, started in Kansas, a little Bible school in Kansas. They read the Acts passage about the coming of tongues of fire and coming of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and prophesying. And it was a Bible school and they said, well, then let's do it. So we will fast and wait for 40 days, just like the disciples did and see what happens at the end of 40 days. At the end of 40 days, they got toasted. It hit. And it hit in the spirit. It it hit in the gift of tongues. It hit in prophecy, but it came with something else. When it moved to Los Angeles as Azusa Street, William Seymour, black pastor, started holding these meetings in a down and out little dump on Azusa Street. The pulpit was made of two boxes standing on top of one another. And they would start the meeting and he would stick his head inside the bottom box while lying on the floor, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he would not start the meetings until he sensed the presence of God. And then they would begin worshiping, and then they would wait on the Lord, and then it hit like an overwhelming wave. And and Frank Bartleman, who wrote a book about it, described it this way. In those meetings, it was like, Waves of liquid love. Waves of liquid love overcoming to them to where a lot of them couldn't get up off the ground. It was so powerful and so wonderful. But it started with the gift of tongues. So what they did was they associated the gift of tongues with this experience of the love of God. And they thought they automatically come together. They did for them. It didn't happen that way for me, and I know a lot of others. You can have one happen first, not the other, but you need them both. Are you with me? Do you understand you need them both? Now, why did I tell you this? I tell tell you this because many of us come to receive the gift of tongues. And we're thinking it's going to be glory balls from heaven that hit me. And I'm going to be overwhelmed with God's love. And I'm going to have this inner, inner transformational experience. So when you actually get the gift of tongues and it starts happening through you, 
but you don't get the emotional thing that you thought you were supposed to get. You doubt the gift of tongues. You say, couldn't be real, didn't happen with the glory balls. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? We we can't carry the association so far that we doubt the gift of tongues because it didn't hit us with the liquid waves of love. Guys, for me, I'm just going to do this fast. I had the I had the liquid love thing four years before I got the gift of tongues. It was wonderful. Then I got into the power. The power came and I started in prophecy and started seeing healings. It was incredible, man. It was like, wow, this is the book of Acts. And I was sitting in my bathtub where I had my prayer time. And I just read Dennis Bennett's book, Good Morning Holy Spirit, I think it was called. I can't remember, but it was by Dennis Bennett, a charismatic that experienced the gift of tongues. And he was talking about the gift of tongues. And I was in my prayer time reading this and I got mad. I said, God, I want that. Why haven't you given that to me? This is a really good gift. I want that gift. Give it to me. I got militant. I was pounding my hand on the side of the tub saying, I want the gift of tongues. I want the gift of tongues. And you haven't done it yet. You give, you've given me everything else. I've seen all this power, this great stuff. It's awesome. But you haven't given this to me. Why haven't you given this to me? And he spoke in a thought in my head. And he said, do it. He said, start speaking in tongues. I said, no, it's something you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do it to me and then I'll do it. But you have to start it. He said, no, you have to start it. I said, no, you have to start it. He said, just start making sound. Just let it come out. I said, I really, I argued with him. I said, wait a minute. I was a lawyer at the time, okay? I said, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me that if I just let sound come out of my mouth, that when that sound comes out of my mouth, you're going to turn it into the gift of tongues? Is that what you're saying to me? And he said, yes. That's exactly what I'm saying to you. So start. Guys, it took me 20 minutes of pure tension to decide if I had the faith to simply start to let the, sun, the sounds come out and trust him that he would turn it into something supernatural. But I got angry with myself. I thought, I got to do this. I just got to do this. So I just said, okay. It was so hard. It's so, so hard to be so cynical. But I, but I was. I finally said, okay, here it comes. I'm just going to make noise. I'm going to make noise and trust him that he's going to turn it into something supernatural. And out came, it's like what Gary's talking about in our prayer time before. We're talking about this one word, you know, came out the little phrase, like something like, uh, or something like that. I can't remember. This little phrase. And I thought, wow, that's weird. Where'd that come from? And I thought, I'm going to try it again. Did it again. Same phrase came out. Did it again. And it, then a couple little other words were added and it turned into like a sentence. It had like syntax. It sounded like some kind of language. And I thought, this is really cool. So I'm driving to the office, my law office, and I stop at a red light. 
and there's a guy on the right in another car, and I think, I wonder if I could do this right now. I wonder if I could do this gift of tongues in the car. I'll try it. So I did. It came out again. Then I get to my office. I thought, if a lawyer can do this in his office at his desk, it's got to be God. So I said to my secretary, don't bother me. I need a few minutes, no phone calls. Closed the door, sat down at my desk, put my hands on my work, and said, okay, this is the test. And out it came. And it's been there ever since. My point is, if you all the gifts are received by faith, every gift is received by faith. And sometimes faith is risk, and you just got to say, Lord, I'm going to start, and you're going to do something with it. And if you don't, I just made a bunch of noise. But if you do, something really good just happened. And it did. Okay? So here's the application. Maybe this morning that's you. Maybe you've been wanting it, but you've never really understood that you don't have to create it. You just have to have the faith to try something. And if it comes, great. And if it doesn't, we'll try again next week. You know, it's like persevering in faith, persevering in risk, persevering in trust. So we're going to do two things. We're going to have an opportunity to come forward and uh, receive prayer for the gift of discerning of spirits, if you want that. Uh, and we're going to give you an opportunity to receive prayer for the gift of tongues, if you want that. And I imagine that there's a whole bunch of us that uh, already have the gift of tongues. You don't need it because you already have it. But maybe you'd like to, to have a discussion group and talk about this. We've got some questions prepared and some discussion leaders to lead a group. So we have two things going at once. Some people receiving the gifts and other people discussing it in their small groups. And asking good questions and talking about your own experience. Which is faith building for you. Is faith building for everybody else. So those are the options. And there's a third group of people that just say, I don't want to do either of them. And you can just watch or you can go and be dismissed. Okay? So are you ready? Now let's close our eyes and ask ourselves a question. Close your eyes. And here's the question. Do I want one of these gifts. And is this the time for me to ask for it? And if the answer that came out of your heart and your mind is, yes, this is what I want, I want to do this, then I invite you to come forward now. And we're going to have some people help and pray for you while you wait to receive. Anybody? Amen. Okay, I'm thinking that... I'm thinking that we're going to have some really good discussion groups. 
So discussion group leaders, would you stand up right now? You've been given you've been given some uh, questions that you're going to ask with your people, and these are the people that are going to pray for for those that come forward for gifts. Where the discussion group? Stephanie, you've got one. Shelley, you've got one. Chris Sheridan, you've got one. Mark Myers, you've got one. Why don't you guys separate and go into places where people can bring their chairs, social distancing, and have a discussion about uh, these gifts? They're good questions, and I think you'll like the discussion groups. So I do encourage you to be part of one of those discussion groups. And if you want to receive um, any of these spiritual gifts, come forward now, and we're going to pray for you. Okay? So guys, go cluster in your discussion groups, and uh, and we'll just carry on with ministry. Yeah. It's a spiritual warfare. Yeah. 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 Yeah
is that you need to know your spiritual authority. You need to know who you are and what you have. Okay? Because you're not going to take crap from the evil spirits. You're going to be thin in the red to those So open your hands. Father, Holy Spirit, we must know our spiritual authority. We must understand that when we speak against these things, we're not speaking on our own behalf. We're speaking as representation of you. We're representing you of you. Now I stir up right now all powerful name of Jesus Christ. I stir up spiritual authority in each one of us. You are not going to take these things right now. You're not going to allow the enemy you have spiritual authority. You have been commissioned by by the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to the work of the enemy. You do not have to come in your life or anybody else's life. Now we pray right now, Lord, in part for their spiritual authority to witness to the right now. You are in dwelling.
my voice loud, but it's the authority and the power of my Lord. I say the spirit of terror. Time is all. Out of my wife, the spirit of terror. Now, in the name of the Lord, to his glory. I don't have anything else. This is you, Lord. That's how you do it.
This woman will now believe this for the rest of her life. But here's the tragedy. She will subconsciously look for a lucid man and fall in love with him because she deserves to be abused in her life. All because a lying spirit came along and interpreted the violence done in the When you find out, I would ask the Holy Spirit, you say, when did this start? When did the enemy get access to this young child? And he showed, when the Holy Spirit shows you that, and then you sit down to pray for that person, you have
Here comes this elephant, and my friend just went, BAM! Right? He's right here. Stop! And the thing just got out. Okay. They got it. They got it. They got it. They Yeah. 